Shema Yisrael. Welcome to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries with Aaron Budgen. Aaron discovered Jesus is his Messiah while preparing to be a rabbi. He now teaches for several organizations and is the teaching pastor for Living God Ministries. Strongly distinguishing between the Old and New Covenants, Aaron presents the scriptures from a Judaic and historical frame of reference. Join Aaron now as he reveals the reality foreshadowed and the new life we can now experience because of what the Lord Jesus accomplished for us. I'm presenting a series of programs on the subject of forgiveness, and today's program is a continuation of the previous broadcast. Now, in the previous broadcast, I was explaining that when we argue with people, when I argue with people about the subject of forgiveness, quite often the argument leads to something else besides forgiveness. And the two examples that I was giving in the previous program are the following. The first example is that people do not want others who have hurt them in the past, who have made them a victim of something, something that probably is very terrible. People do not want others who have hurt them to be forgiven, that this is a very common reason as to why people do not want to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins. They still want God to hold the sins of others against them who have hurt them personally. So people have a hard time with this subject because of that. But at that point, you leave the topic of forgiveness. You actually leave it and you enter into something else. At that point, you enter into the issue of your own bearing a grudge against somebody else, your own anger, your own loss, your own suffering. At that point, you leave the scope of forgiveness and you enter into something else. And the other example that I was giving was our ability or the belief that we have the ability to control other people because we can use condemnation against somebody else in order to try to control them or in order to try to manipulate them, to try and encourage them, inspire them, or give them some incentive to be the kind of person that we want them to be. And if we tell them that God doesn't hold their sins against them anymore, then how are we going to continue to hold their sins against them anymore? And if we can't hold their sins against them anymore, then what excuse or what reason can we give in order to tell them, for us to tell them, that they need to stop sinning or that they need to be more holy? How are we going to do that if a person can just simply respond to us by asking, Why? Why should I bother dealing with my sin? Why should I stop sinning if he doesn't hold my sins against me anymore? We lose our incentive, or we believe that we lose an incentive that we could use otherwise. So that's what I was explaining in the previous broadcast. And in this program, I would also like to mention the fact that I have done a series of programs on the subject of overcoming sin. That is how I have titled it, Overcoming Sin. There are three programs for that, and then there's a follow-up program titled You Are Sanctified, where I deal with this subject of overcoming sin. Folks, I do believe that if a person is a believer, we should anticipate a reduction of sin in their life. I'm not going to argue that. You won't get me to disagree with that. The argument that I'm having with people, the argument that I continually have with folks is not whether or not we should anticipate a reduction of sin, but how is it going to be accomplished? There are many people who believe that if we just 
offer enough blessings, we offer enough rewards, then people will have the right incentives to be able to say no to sin. Or if we threaten them enough, if we threaten them with enough beatings or cursings or God will punish them in some way, if we threaten them enough, then they will stop sinning. That's what people believe, and I don't believe that. I don't believe that a person's life is to be governed by either the carrot or the stick, by the beatings or blessings. I I just don't believe that. I have personally experienced a transformation in my heart to the extent where there has been occasions when I have said no to sin. But that is not because I'm concerned about being beaten by God or I'm concerned of losing rewards or anything like that. That has happened because of a change in my heart. This change, just to give you a summary, this change occurs when the needs of my heart are met. The need to be loved. The need to be accepted. Now this is very important to understand. Please pay attention to this. And that is that you need to be loved and you need to be accepted. And your God loves you perfectly. He accepts you perfectly. And if you will receive the love and the acceptance that he has for you, that will fill the deepest need that you have, the needs that you have in the deepest part of your being. And when your needs are met by your God, when you are filled to that extent, it is easy to say no to the temptations of life, the temptations to sin. It's easy to say no, because the reason why they are tempting is because they promise, they suggest that those sins will meet the needs that you have to be loved and accepted. That's why they are deceiving. That's why they are tempting. And that's why people fall to them, because they need to be loved. We need to be loved. We need to be accepted. These are needs that we have. Now, having said that, pay attention to this, and that is that if you don't believe that the sin issue between you and your God is over, then he doesn't accept you perfectly. He doesn't love you perfectly, at least not until you get all the sin out of your life, and that's certainly never going to happen, and that's the point. You will never be totally accepted by your God. You will never be totally loved by your God, so your needs will never be met by your God, so you will remain an empty individual who will then be an easy target, an easy victim to the temptations of life. It's easy to tempt you. It's easy to victimize you because your needs are not being met by your God. And so it's trivial for you to fall. It's a trivial matter for you to fall to the temptations of sin. In fact, you may need some sin in your life. You may need that to take a break from all the pressure, from all the condemnation, from all the disgust that your God truly has towards you. You may need a little bit of sin in order to take a breather now and then, in order to have a break from all of the condemnation and pressure in your life. That's what people deal with. So don't be surprised. Do not be surprised if a person does not believe that they have been totally forgiven, if a person does not believe in the complete forgiveness of sins, don't be surprised if they harbor some secret sin in their life, if they harbor some sin that you may not know of but you eventually discover. Do not be surprised because they need some of that. They need that because they don't have the Lord. They don't have His love for them. And so they need that in order to have something, anything. That's the problem. People believe that if we condemn them enough, they'll stop sinning. But no, the reality is that the more that you condemn them, the more they will sin. 
That's the issue. The more that people are told that they have not been totally forgiven, the more they will be tempted and fall to the temptations of life. The more that they will fall to sin. So people are concerned that what I am saying will lead a person to sin. But I am telling you flat out, I'm telling you point blank, that it is you who are leading people to sin. And that's how. That's how it's happening. That is what is taking place in the Christian world today. In the Christian world today, people are consumed with sin because they can't get away from it. Because they can't stop it. And the reason why is because of the things that they believe that has paralyzed them from growing in Christ Jesus, from maturing in their faith, from growing to know their God. These are the reasons why, because they don't want to believe in forgiveness. And so people are paralyzed, they are prevented from maturing, and instead they end up going to sin. They end up turning to sin. It's a very deceptive reality that we live in right now. Very deceptive, but it's very real. Do not underestimate the significance of this. What I am telling you is freedom, not just from the punishment, but also from the sin itself, from the temptations of it. Okay, I'm going to switch gears at this point in a subtle way, and that is to deal with the subject of the law. This is an implication of the forgiveness that we have received. If we have been forgiven, if the Lord doesn't hold our sins against us anymore, then the law has no place in our lives. What law? Any law. It doesn't matter what the law may be. It doesn't matter if it's the law of Moses or the law of Hammurabi, the law of your denomination, the law of your church, the law of your pastor. It doesn't matter. You have been totally set free from the law. Now, some people find this to be extremely threatening. People do not want to believe that they have been totally forgiven because they don't want to be set free from the law. And you may wonder, well, why is it that people don't want to be set free from the law? If you're not wondering that, I'll ask the question so you can wonder it now. That's important to ask, though, because there are a lot of people who are asking this question, who are struggling with this question. There are several reasons why people do not want to let go of the law. For example, there are blessings that have been offered through the law. If you obey all the commandments, then your God will bless you. People find those appealing, and so they don't want to let go of the opportunity to be blessed. So they don't want to let go of the law because they want to be able to experience the blessings of God. People also want to avoid the curses that God expressed when we would fail to live in obedience to the law. People don't want to be set free from the curses. Now, of course, the way that he described it was that you are to first try to live in obedience to the law. If you fail, you will be cursed. If you succeed, you will be blessed. And so people look at that and they say, well, I definitely don't want to be cursed, and so I need the law as a way to avoid being cursed. Or they say, I want to be blessed, and so I need the law in order to have an opportunity to be blessed. So people do not want to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins because they don't want to let go of the opportunity to avoid cursings or to obtain blessings. There are other issues as well. People don't want to let go of the law because they don't want to lose control over other people. Because people can control other people with the law. We experience this in the world all the time. We have laws that govern the way that we behave when we are driving our cars. We have laws that govern our behavior with each other when we engage in contracts. We have lots of laws that govern society. 
and this is a way of controlling people, and it does work to a certain extent. If you threaten somebody enough for violating the law, then they will perhaps not do it. This is a reality of life, and so people bring this into our spiritual lives, and they say that we need this in order to keep us from committing sins. Even though there may be no law in our community that says that these things are wrong or evil, we need these things in our own lives. We need these things to be propagated and promoted so that we can get people to stop sinning. We need these laws to be able to control other people. And if we can control other people, then we can have a happier life ourselves, and they also can have a happier life. And so it is in everyone's personal best interest for us to have the law. But if we say that there is no law because there is no penalty that can be invoked against an individual because he no longer holds our sins against us anymore, because he died for our sins on the cross once and for all, if we believe that, then people will have no reason to say no to the temptations of life. People will again have no reason to stop sinning. And so people do not want to let go of the law because they are afraid that others will use it as an excuse to sin. Now, when saying this, you need to understand what people are actually communicating. What they are communicating is a couple of things. People are saying that the law of Moses, the law of God, was given to us so that we could avoid being cursed. People are saying that the law was given to us so that we could be blessed. And they are also saying that the law was given to us so that we would stop sinning, so that we would have a reduction of sin in our life. That's what people are saying. Now, let me repeat this again because it's very important for you to hear this. It's very important for you to understand this. People are saying that the reason why God gave the law through Moses was so that we could avoid being cursed, we could be blessed, and so that we could also be empowered to say no to sin. But that is not why the law was given. It was not given for any one of those three reasons that I just gave. That is a lie. That is a deception. And people do not want to believe that they have been forgiven because they would rather believe these lies. These are lies. They come out of the pit of hell. They are the lies of the devil. And people are believing these things. They want to believe these things. And they are refusing to believe that they have been totally forgiven by God because they don't want to let go of these lies. Let me put it to you in this context. Is there any way that you are ever going to be able to obey all the commandments of God? The answer is no. There is no way that you will possibly be able to be totally, completely obedient to your God. There is no way that you will be able to be totally repentant from all of your sins. There is no possible way for you to be perfect, for you to be like God. You will never obey all of the commandments. And so, because of that, you will never, ever be blessed by God because of the law. And you will never, ever avoid being cursed by God through your pursuit of living in obedience to the law. That is why he gave the law. He did not give us the law so that we would have an opportunity to be blessed. He did not give us the law 
so that we could avoid the pain and suffering that we are going to experience in life that could very well be divine intervention, that could be cursings from God. There is no way that we are going to be able to accomplish that. That was why he gave us the law, to show us that we could not be perfect, to show us that we cannot be like him. He gave us the law to show us that we have a need for mercy. That is why he gave it. But instead, people are using the law for a purpose that he did not give it for. They say, oh, yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can be blessed by God, by your obedience and by your repentance. No, you can't. He never said that unless, of course, you are perfect like he is. Then, of course, he will. That was the reason for the giving of the law. It was given to show us that we had a need for grace and mercy, not so that we would have the list of things that we could do and not do so that we could be blessed by God. But people don't want to let go of that. They don't want to believe that that is why God gave it. They don't want to believe that he gave the law to show us that we were hopeless. They don't want to believe that. And that is a very serious problem in the Christian world today. The other thing that people don't want to believe is that God did not give us the law to help us to stop sinning. They don't want to believe that. They want to believe that he gave us the law to help us to stop sinning. But the law doesn't do that. The law stirs up sin. It stirs up sin in our lives. Let me give you an example. Consider what Paul said in Romans chapter 7, verses 6 through 10. This is Romans chapter 7, beginning in verse 6, where it is written, But now we have been released from the law, having died to that by which we were bound, so that we serve in newness of the Spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. What shall we say then? Is the law sin? May it never be. On the contrary, I would not have come to know sin except through the law. For I would not have known about coveting if the law had not said, You shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. I was once alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin became alive and I died. And this commandment, which was to result in life, proved to result in death for me. In other words, he believed one thing, but it turned out not to be the case. He believed that it was going to result in life, but it resulted in death. That was a deception that he was in. This is his explanation of how he was deceived. The law stirs up sin by giving you more things to think about not doing. In this context, it's coveting. He says that he would not have known what it was to covet unless the law didn't say, don't covet. But because it said, don't covet, it stirred up within him every covetous desire. That's what the law does. You see, people can respond to the law in various ways. People will respond to the law by saying things like, well, now, don't be telling me what not to do or what I should be doing. I believe that I am an independent individual and I'm going to do whatever I want. And so I will disobey that law just to show you, just to prove it. That's one way that law stirs up sin. Another way that it stirs up sin is by giving you more things to think about not doing that you never would have thought of before. And that's what Paul expresses here in the context of coveting. That because the law says don't do it, you start thinking, okay, make sure I don't do that, don't do that, don't do what? Do that, 
Well, that sounds pretty appealing. And then all of a sudden you start thinking about it, and now you're going to go ahead and fall to that particular temptation to that sin. So the law stirs up sin in that context as well. It takes you away from the love and acceptance of God, as I expressed earlier, as I explained earlier, that if it takes you away from the love of God, then you're going to turn to sin in a greater way because of the needs that you have to be loved and accepted. And if you're not going to get that from your God because you're being condemned through the law, then you're going to turn to sin in order to get a break. So the law stirs up sin in that context. There is another form of sin that the law stirs up, and that is the sin of religious pride. If you believe that you have found a way to live in obedience to the law, then now you have religious pride. So if you disobey the law, then you sin. If you obey the law, then you sin, because you've got religious pride. There is no way to get away from it. The law stirs up sin, but instead, people believe that the law reduces sin. That's a lie. That's a total deception. People believe that it will reduce sin in people's lives, but it doesn't. That is why people do not want to believe in the complete forgiveness of sins, because if they have been totally forgiven of their sins, then the law has no place in their life anymore. But folks, if the law has no place in your life anymore, then it won't stir up sin in your life. Instead, people want to believe that the law keeps people from sinning. We can use it to control people, to manipulate people, to get them to stop sinning. And that is not what the law does. That is not why God gave the law. He gave it to us to stir up more sin so that we would see that we have a need for his grace and mercy. Do you understand that that is why people don't want to believe in forgiveness? People don't want to believe in forgiveness because they have been deceived about the law. They want to believe a lie about the law. That is more important to them than the truth of what Jesus did for them on the cross. And what is this lie? The lie that people want to believe is that the law will keep them from sinning. People really believe that if they know the law, if they know what is good and evil, then they will have the means by which they can stop sinning. If they know what is good and evil, if they know what is right and wrong, and they have proper incentive to get themselves to obey either the beatings or the blessings, people sincerely believe that if they have that, then they can stop sinning. But the Lord told us directly and indirectly through the Apostle Paul, he told us that the law stirs up sin. So either it's going to reduce sin in your life or it's going to stir up more sin in your life. And I have yet to find anything in the scriptures that suggests that a knowledge of the law or your pursuit of repentance and obedience will result in a reduction of sin in your life. He has never promised that. Instead, it increases the amount of sin in your life. So the lie that people are believing is that it was given for the purpose of reducing sin. And people don't want to believe that they have been forgiven because they still want to believe that lie. This program is one of 12 programs that I have produced on the subject of forgiveness. Forgiveness is the foundation of the Christian faith. 
without understanding forgiveness and without living in the forgiveness that we have received, there is no hope whatsoever. There is no opportunity for a person to grow in a relationship with Christ Jesus. You've been listening to the broadcast outreach of Living God Ministries. You can hear all of our programs for free through our radio archive at livinggodministries.net. That is, livinggodministries.net. Do help us develop new radio programs and continue broadcasting on this and other radio stations. Send your contributions to Living God Ministries, P.O. Box 383-53, Colorado Springs, Colorado. 80937 or use the donation link on our website livinggodministries.net that is livinggodministries.net Thank you,